We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hello and welcome to the Money Matters podcast. If you are a regular listener, you'll know that I'm Danny Hewson and with me, as always, is Laura Souter. Hi, Laura. Hi, Danny. Hi, everyone. Hopefully you all know Nat, by now that these podcasts are all about women and money. So chatting through what's going on in the economy and helping you to navigate all of those financial potholes and get financially fitter. And if you've listened to our last couple of episodes, you'll know that we've just released our second bit of major research into the difference between men and women's financial lives. You will find the full report on our website, ajbellmoneymatters.co.uk, along with a whole host of useful articles, which we update all the time, and also an opportunity to sign up to our newsletter on there as well. But there's a lot in the research that wasn't necessarily the most positive reading if you're a woman. A lot of it was identifying those particularly tricky areas where our finances can often get derailed. Um, And particularly when it comes to the gender investment gap, which is what we've been trying to narrow ever since we launched the campaign. But Danny, we are always a fan of finding the positive, aren't we? (laughs) We are. And what was really nice in this is that we didn't have to look too hard to find a bit of positive for a bit of optimism, because particularly amongst the younger generation, things are changing. Slowly, yeah, I admit that, but they are changing and it usually starts with a conversation. And which is something we are banging on about all the time on here, which is if you talk about money, then you get more tips, it becomes less taboo. And a lot of these things all start with a tricky conversation, like you say. And so we're big fans of everyone talking about money, whether it's with your partner, your employer, your friends, every aspect of it, no matter how uncomfortable it might be. And what we've found is that younger people are much more prepared to do that, particularly ahead of big life moments. So let's take having kids, for example, which is a big life moment and a big financial life moment. Uh, 60% of those in the 25 to 34-year-old age bracket said that they discussed finances before having kids, compared to just a quarter of those in the older generation, so 55 to 64. Um, So we can see a real generational difference there in terms of the openness of talking about money uh, before you have kids between those generations. And I have to say, I'm not quite in that bracket, but I'm not far off. And (laughs) it's not something that I did. I didn't talk about money with my partner before we had them. I I did discuss the fact that I wanted to have kids. You know, that really awkward conversation. Do you want to have kids or not? Because if you don't want to have kids, I probably now I'm heading into my 30s, need to find somebody else to have kids with. But so we did that, but we didn't talk about how on earth we were going to pay for it. In fact, I really think that for my husband and I, a lot of the decisions we made, we kind of fell into them. And I think that for us included buying a house. And I have to wonder if that's because at the time we were able to get a 100% mortgage and the house price that we paid was teeny tiny compared to today's average. But for the younger generation, things are more expensive and therefore they take an awful lot more planning. 
Exactly. And I mean, I'm too old, sadly, for that youngest age category that we talked about, 25 to 34 year olds, sadly. But I definitely see a mixture in my friends. So as that kind of generational age group that's a bit older than that group, I see a mixture of kind of loads of openness about money, lots of conversations about tricky life moments and financial moments ahead of time. And then some of the kind of more old old school ways of, of not being quite so open. But I think now there's just so much more money content around for younger people, whether that's on social media or on the internet, or there's books now about personal finance. And I think there's so much more content out there that that raises the profile and, and starts some of these conversations. Um, but like you say, for things like getting on the property ladder, it's so much more expensive and so much harder and a longer process. And so I think that if you've got to save for years for to get on the property ladder, you want to be sure that actually you're on the same page as your partner and that you're both thinking the same when it comes to finances. And that's exactly what our first interviewee, Mariana Hunt, did before she recently decided to put an offer in on her first home. I was really clear on what I wanted. For me, I've been saving to buy a house for so long. It's always been my dream. And I just needed to make sure that the person that I was with was on board with that, that they, if they wanted to be part of that journey with me, that they were also going to be contributing. Um, or if not, was I going to do it by myself? And those conversations can be a bit awkward, but I feel like it really helps you to get to know that the person that you're with has the same vision, wants the same future as you do. And actually, I think it's it's as important on a financial level as it is on a relationship level. Now, I have to say that when I spoke to Mariana, I found her incredibly together, scarily together for a 28-year-old woman. I mean, she's already asked for several pay rises and received them. She has been saving for more than five years to buy a house and... She is finally now on the ladder. She's about to close, fingers crossed. And what you were saying earlier about there being more content out there for women to, to look at and feel that it does relate to them. And for Mariana, she said that she feels that she's not alone when she says that things are changing. And I definitely feel that optimism among my female friends. So many of them more these days are engaging with their money. They know how much is going in and out every single month. Whereas I think even a few years ago, there wasn't that same level of financial education, particularly for women. I know a lot of people who just didn't feel like the, the financial companies were speaking to them personally. And now that there's more out there to help women manage their money, I do think that's really helped gain that confidence so people feel like they understand their money they're able to manage it themselves and then that brings that sense of optimism that you you know that you've got a really bright future you know what you've got yeah and I think that's really great to hear and societally things are changing as well aren't they so things like more men are likely to take shared parental leave or take a bit longer time off um, when they have their first kid or maybe work part-time. Now, a lot of this is very much kind of at the edges. We're seeing small increases in it and it's still very small numbers of, of men that are doing this. It's still the majority that women take the bulk of the time off and are more likely to return part-time or not return to work at all. And there's a great stat from our research, which is that half of couples aged 25 to 34 year olds 
told us that they'd shared parental leave when they had kids. And that compares to just 10% of those in that that age bracket of 55 to 64. So we can see that while the overall figures don't show a massive change, if we break it down by those generations, younger people are so much more likely to take, not necessarily equal, but just the guys are taking more time off than maybe their fathers did, for example. And again, I'm stressing this here, I'm not quite in that 55 to 64. <laughs> you don't want to age yourself, bracket. do you? <laughs> I need to keep harping on about that, but... <laughs> I will say that shared parental leave, it wasn't something that my husband and I talked about. And to be honest with you, it wasn't really an option when we had kids, because back then, although he could have taken six months statutory paternity leave once I'd gone back to work, we just couldn't afford that. Because first of all, he was the main breadwinner at the time, slightly earning slightly more than I was. Um, And we needed both incomes when I went back to work after having both my first and second child. You know, I had um, six months of paid leave. Uh, two months of that was statutory maternity pay, and that hurt. Um, and it, it was only 2015. I mean, it doesn't seem like that long ago when you put it in figures like that. 2015, that's when shared parental leave was introduced, which allowed men and women to split that 37 weeks of paid leave and up to 50 weeks of leave in total. Um, Now, I know that there is still a lot of men that maybe don't know about it, and we're going to be hearing a little bit more about that in a minute, Um, but it's still not really talked about, and it's still not ideal. There is more that can be done, and that is certainly something that Mariana wants to change. I think it's really important the government realises how much of a, a positive impact more parental leave for male parents is going to have on enabling women to get back to the workforce. That If you hire a woman, it won't suddenly feel like you're being penalised because she's going to disappear for nine months, whereas your male employees won't. So if there's something that I would love to see in the next budget or whenever the next milestones come out from the government, that's what I'd really want to see. Yeah, I think that that main breadwinner uh, point that you made there, Danny, with your household, that is something that's shifting as well. So the latest figures show that um, in a quarter of households, women are the main breadwinner. Um, And so I think that starts to help move that dial in terms of that conversation around who's taking leave. But overall, when we take a look at the figures on shared parental leave. It hasn't been a huge success since it was introduced. So it's great that it's been introduced. It's great that more younger generations are taking it up. But the latest figures that we've got, which are a little bit out of date, but they're the latest ones that the government has released, show that less than 2% of eligible couples took shared leave. So it's still a really small number. But that it, I hope that is increasing, and particularly as more companies offer you know, equal pay for leave as well. It's really interesting what Mariana said there as well about how she feels that a lot of employers, although they're not allowed to, um, you know, look at a woman and say, okay, well, you're going off and you're probably going to have kids. So they're not allowed to penalize them for that. There is certainly some of that that does seem to filter through. And I certainly felt it when I had my first child, I went back to work And there was an expectation that I was in my mid-30s, I'd had one child, the likelihood was I was going to have another child. And therefore, 
I was kind of that ticking time bomb. I felt like I was put on a shelf until my buzzer went off and I went off and had another child. And I decided because of that, that I was going to have another child really quickly. There's only um, 20 months between my two kids because I wanted to have my children and say, right, that's the chapter. Now you can focus on me as an employable woman, as a promotable woman. And I did then go on to become the main breadwinner in my family. But I certainly felt, and I know a lot of my friends felt, that they were penalised for being of childbearing age. So I think if we can get to a point where it's just a matter of, it just happens that men and women share the paternity leave, the parental leave, then that makes a huge difference in how employers see their female staff. Definitely, I think so. And also, if you think about the rising number of um, people who aren't having children, that must be so frustrating because I think so many women out there are probably pigeonholed a bit like you say, whether it's um, subconsciously or whether it is you know, more overt than that. And they might also be deciding not to have children at all so they're kind of incorrectly pigeonholed now I hope that attitudes are changing and I think we're fortunate to work in a company where that isn't the case I know from speaking to friends that there are still a lot of those kind of quite outdated views out there particularly among managers and that that does really hold some women back in their careers a bit like working part-time you know choosing to go back part-time after your first child some women will say that that means that they then kind of get passed over for promotions or for other job opportunities um, so I think it is, like we say, a work in progress. There's some positivity in the figures, but I hope that we could be sitting here in 10 years' time talking about how much better it all is. Um, and I've got to stress as well, Laura, because some women still want to be the one that takes the time off to have kids. They want to be the ones looking after their children. And if that is your choice, your decision, then that is A-OK. I mean, I, I think about you know, the fight that's been going on for generations to give women choices. So we have to celebrate all the choices. Mm, 100%. But we also have to make sure that we're not penalised for those choices, as you just said. Now, we don't talk to many men on the Money Matters podcast, but we also know that improving women's financial health is often linked with the men in our lives. So a lot of our report um, and our research was around having tricky conversations with people in your life, whether that's your partner, your boss, your family, your friends. And often that means having tricky conversations with the men in your life that you're going to have to be talking to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't think that anybody thinks that we're on this journey by ourselves. And as you say, it is often men that we have to have those tricky conversations with. Although I do say that if you're off to the pub this weekend with your mates, don't just talk about sex, talk about money too. You'll be amazed <laughs> how much you can learn. I want to come to your pub chats. <laughs> <laughs> it's always risque, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. There is still sort of taboos. And I think it is really important that those are broken down. But getting back to men, because I've been chatting to a couple of our colleagues at AJ Bell, Aaron Wilshire and Dennis Quemple, who both took shared paternity leave recently, and they had a whole load to say on the subject. Aaron, let me start with you. When did you and your partner 
first talk about sharing the parental leave because it, it it's still something that men don't tend to do as much as women. So when did you decide to do it and why did you decide to do it? So uh, I, th- I think we decided sort of shortly after we spoke to HR really. So, it, so we found out Marley was pregnant, uh, I think by around nine or 10 weeks, I think it was, or maybe slightly earlier than that. Um, and obviously one of the first things that I did was speak to HR, let them know. And it was only at that point upon speaking with a member of HR that I was made aware of shared parental leave. I'd never even heard of it prior to, uh, prior to, to um, yeah, beforehand. So, and Emma kind of explained it to me and explained the benefits and how it works. And having spoken with my partner, it sort of sounded sounded exactly like what we want to do. I mean, the more the more time you get to spend with your your child and your partner in those early months, when it's pretty difficult, and obviously that that early years is uh, or early few months, sorry, is um yeah is 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 great. So yeah, so in essence, very very early on, probably around around about the sort of twelfth or thirteenth week is when we decided we were gonna we were gonna go ahead with it. And how much time did you take off? So I ended up getting full, the full three months. So my partner, Marley, had um, – so she, she didn't have a particularly great maternity package. So I think she had the standard, uh, which is, what, 90% for the first six weeks, I think, and then the statutory rate for the remainder. So we were sort of – when we were figuring out what we wanted to do, um, finances came into question. So it was sort of thinking, well, at the end of that nine-month period, that those final three months, if Marley was going to do her uh, full 12 months she's uh, allowed – we'd have sort of three months of losing out on one, one income. So um, ultimately it was Marley's decision, but she, she was very much keen to have me around in those early months. So we did the full three months in the end, but we did it in a bit of an obscure way. So rather take it, take it in one block. We did it in multiple, multiple small blocks, essentially, (laughs) partly because another member of my team had a, had a baby a couple of weeks before I did, and he was doing the same thing uh, in, in one big three month block. So I didn't want to, didn't want it to impact the team sort of significantly with two people being off for such a long period of time. And Dennis, how about yourself? When did you decide to take shared parental leave and, and how long did you take? So, I mean, Aaron actually mentioned quite an interesting point there. So I I was kind of quite lucky to be honest with you in that my wife actually works in HR. So she was already herself aware that, you know, shared parental leave was something that I was entitled to. Uh, and I guess as often happens, you know, the first baby, there is a lot more planning involved. So we were already talking about it uh, before the point that we even got pregnant. I think quite early on in the process, I was like, no, that is something that I would want uh, and kind of just put the question to. And obviously we made the decision then on the back of that to say, yes, we will split it. Not in terms of when you exactly from that point, the amount of weeks and months that we're going to be taking, but when you that we're going to split it. And then, yeah, similar to Aaron, once we actually got to the point of doing the formal process with HR, uh, doing the written notice of entitlement, we then agreed uh, on me taking three months, and I decided to split that uh, into two sections. So initially, because I think we've just actually moved to four weeks now, haven't we, for parental leave entitlement for uh, mm-hmm. for that at the beginning, it was still two. Obviously, at the time, decided to take an additional two weeks of shared parental leave right at the beginning, just to give us a little bit of extra breathing space. Because even at the, I, mean, I came back after five weeks, and even that, I was like could have done with a little <laughs> bit longer uh, and I'm aiming away and we felt exactly the same and then I took the rest of it at the end so in that kind of last sort of nine to 12 month, month section. And how did you find it Dennis? I enjoyed it I, I mean I knew that I would I've always wanted that bonding experience so I was quite adamant that whatever time I could get I wanted to get. Um, it is challenging because 
you are the solo parent. As anyone who parents knows, doing it on your own day-to-day -day routine, like my entire day just rolled somehow around food, and you know it, it is a challenge. <laughs> but after about two weeks, you do you do get used to it, and I do think it was really beneficial for my confidence as a parent as well, just to be like, right, it's me. I'm effectively making all the decisions during the day. I'm taking care of everything. And I do think it was it was really really beneficial in that way because I do think sometimes, uh, especially if I guess maybe the child is being breastfed as well i think sometimes you can feel a little bit useless sometimes as a dad with certain things yes we can do nappy changes and things but sometimes the bulk of it is still with mum at that stage but obviously this was an opportunity for me to just take take the reins fully uh as well because i'm doing weaning as well at that point so yeah really really good for confidence as well aaron you're nodding there yeah dennis pretty much hit the nail on the head so exactly the same same thing my side really um uh, and yeah, just to add to that, I suppose, uh, especially in those early, early few months when you are you are struggling with the sleep and it is it is very full on. It's all new to both of you. So having the both of you there um, off at the same time to to support one another through that, I think was hugely important as well. So clearly that's the parental leave bit and you still do quite a bit of caring now. Yeah, yeah, still, still, yeah, it's still exactly the same. So even though I'm, even though, um, obviously we're we're both back at work now. Kylo's in in nursery. It's um, yeah, it's still the still the same thing. So we're still sort of sharing all the responsibilities around the home and, and everything. So yeah. And Dennis, nothing, nothing's changed. <laughs> and Dennis, obviously, you started talking about shared parental leave early on. Did you also start talking about finances, about who was going to pay for childcare, about the impact that it was going to have on things like your partner's pension and your partner's career going forward? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So we both knew early on that it was going to be important for, for Amy to go back to work. Uh, she wanted to go back sooner rather than later. Um, we're both... I wouldn't necessarily career focus, but we both have careers that we want to continue furthering. Um, obviously, alongside the fact that I just wanted a little bit of time as well to be able to bond uh, once one with a little one. Finances were absolutely key. So for Amy, for example, I think she pretty much was on statutory throughout because it has quite a poor maternity package uh, where she works. Um, but... It, it's a, it is a challenge when you're trying to split how you're going to do it because it's not it is very much a shared entitlement financially so you have that 12 months uh and in the way that i did it for example where you take that the majority of that almost a three months right at the end of the process so from months nine to 12 you're actually you're not even getting the statutory at that point it was very much you're not even getting paid for it so you know you can't ignore that three months of no pay is going to impact anybody so you cannot take it lightly now so luckily enough we kind of because we knew so early we were in a really advantageous position that we could really plan for and actually start saving to try and take some of that financial load off in advance but you know not everybody has that opportunity to you know to be able to save months in advance uh, and you could argue should you even be in a position where you have to do that uh, to be able to get that time yeah, it's funny, isn't it, Aaron? I mean, the, the cost of having a child is so absolutely massive. So did you mm -hmm. start saving early? Did you start having conversations about how you were going to afford the childcare? Who was going to pay for the childcare? 
Yeah, yeah, had those had all those conversations early, um, and yeah, as you mentioned, it's, it's funny you talking about it, ch- children being expensive because our our uh, nursery bills have just been increased, so we're almost paying a second mortgage every month on nursery <laughs> bills at the moment, as I'm sure Dennis may be aware of, possibly in the same boat. But um, but yeah, we had conversations very early on about uh, sort of finances, um, obviously the decision making going into what we wanted to do with shared parental leave played, played a big factor as as i mentioned because Mar- marley um at the end of that nine months she, she was gonna have no pay for the final three if she opted for the full 12 but it worked out pretty well in the end because she because she works in education she'd accrued quite a sort of vast amount of holiday to take so she was able to sort of tag on two months worth of annual leave at the end of her nine months so she could still be off with um with baby and um and still um but unreceived full pay so but yeah, it, it, we had conversations very early, as I said, about how we were going to afford it. Budgeting involved a lot of searching for bits and bobs on Facebook Marketplace rather than buying them outright just so we could get everything in. But um, but yeah, but it's all it's all worked out. What I love is the fact that both of you are very much you've been in it together with your partners. I mean, it you've had discussions very early on about how you were going to split things. You've then worked together through the process to make sure that you could work it in the best possible way. And I'm guessing that for both of you, that was probably when you were growing up, something that you didn't experience, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And yeah, it's I mean, for me, it's when I first heard about it, um, I was extremely surprised that I hadn't heard about it because it's such a good, I mean, it's such a good initiative um, to be able to have that that time in those early early months with your child and your and supporting your partner. Um, whereas obviously prior, it was it was just sort of the two weeks two weeks paternity, which sort of looking back on it now, having done the three months, it's I can't believe how some some fathers went back to work after two weeks with the lack of sleep you have and everything going on at on at home outside of work. So. Um, so yeah, well, didn't didn't really have that at all when um, obviously previously, and so yeah, very 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 happy that it's 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 now sort of an initiative on offer, and yeah, I would I would certainly certainly recommend it going forwards to anyone um, in the same boat. Dennis, do you think more should be done to highlight the fact that this is available because so many people don't seem to to know about it. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. As I mentioned, I had never heard of it at all um, upon speaking to. A, a, I'm speaking to HR and I imagine if HR hadn't mentioned it, then I, I may not have, I may have done my two weeks and come straight back and yeah, been none the wiser. So yeah, I definitely think there should be more, more done to promote it because it's, it's incredibly important. Um, even just sort of the odd days, the odd kit days that I come back to, or that I come back and, and work um, in those early months, just seeing Marley on her, on her own and how much of a struggle it was, it sort of puts it in, into perspective really. So yeah, definitely. Dennis, any plans to do it again? Yeah, so I think you know, should we have any more children? Absolutely. So I, I, I think the experience that I gained, the confidence, the benefit. I think Aaron mentioned it before. It really does feel like now that we've got to a situation where you know, baby's going to nursery. It is. It does very much feel like a partnership as opposed to just one parent looks after the kids and one parent, you know, works and brings the money home. It's absolutely like that. It we the flexibility it gives us in the house is brilliant because we can all do everything. No one's particularly kind of shoehorned into one one area, if you like. So we we can really manage our time effectively. You know, if if I want to go out, Amy wants to go out, whatever it may be, 
we have that ability just to say, yeah, that's fine. I, I'm absolutely, you know, I'm hundred percent comfortable with looking after, looking after the little one. We enjoy spending the time together. So yeah, I, I wouldn't have any second thoughts about doing it again. Like I said, I think the only challenge to it always is just figuring out, figuring out the financial aspect to it, because it, it, it is difficult if you don't necessarily have the same amount of time to plan and save for it, 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 it does become challenging. Hmm. Aaron, you're nodding. Yeah, it was yeah same same things um, my side. So I know when we were deciding about sort of nursery, um, there was that conversation about okay, we'll do given how much nursery now costs, it, it, does Marley go back to work at all, or do we just, does Marley just stay off work and, and look after um, the baby, or do we sort of split it where she she may drop down to part time? Um, and in the end, sort of I sort of let her really drive that decision um because we sort of crunched the numbers we thought we'd probably just about be comfortable with um if marley wasn't working and 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 if she'd prefer just to stay off work but at the same time she was she was wanting to better her career and 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 progress so we kind of she kind of did a bit bit of a mixture so she now works monday to thursday and she takes friday off um so still got some good income coming in her side. Uh, and then she also gets that flexibility to have that Friday off with with Kylo at the end of the week of the, of the long weekend. So, um, so yeah, but um, yeah. Well, gents, congratulations to both of you on your lovely extending families. Thank you both so much for talking to me and, uh, and good luck going forward. That was so interesting I think and so nice that they were just so positive about it and actually if I think about um, the men in my life that I know that have taken share parental leave all of them are so positive about it and I think it has a real lasting impact not just on their relationship with the child but quite often on the family setup and you know the whole thing of the default parent often being the mum actually I think it really changes that dynamic so loving that positivity there. Yeah, I mean, my husband was certainly far more hands-on with our kids than my dad ever was. Um, but I was definitely the primary caregiver. And I think that a lot of that was created by the fact that I did have that first six months off with both of my girls. And I do know that he would have liked to have taken a bit more time off. And I would have liked him to take a bit more time off because when he went back to work after that two weeks, I just remember thinking, what have I got myself in for? <laughs> Particularly once you had two. I don't even yeah. know how you coped. Yeah, my <laughs> husband didn't take any extra leave. Well, he had two weeks off. And then at the end of that two weeks, I just said, I can't, I can't do this. So we had to take an extra week off. Um, but three weeks just seems madness, doesn't it? That's just not enough time to, you know, get adjusted to that big change in your life. So yes, definitely. I think it's good that there's positive voices out there talking about how great taking shared leave is. And brilliant that both Aaron and Dennis say that they would do it again and that they would recommend it to all of their male friends who are thinking about having kids. And I think it's hearing from people like them about what it's really like, about what it really means, is the thing that, that makes the difference, because they also said that a lot of people just don't know about it. 
So that's everything for this episode, but we will be bringing you hopefully more positivity on financial stuff in our next episode. And also the confessions are going to be back. We've had a break from the financial confessions while we've been covering all of the great stuff in our research, but they will be back, which obviously very much pleases me. I can imagine. And as we've both shared our confessions now over the past couple of weeks, we do think it is only fair that you share yours with us. So don't forget all the normal ways you can get in touch. You can message us on social media at AJ Bell Money Matters. We're always looking for great guests to chat to. So if you have any suggestions of brilliant women that you think we should be featuring on the podcast, who have got a great story to tell about money or finances, then definitely get in touch. You can message us on social media at AJ Bell Money Matters, or you can email us moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.